I'm excited, uh, and I want to tell you how excited uh, we are because this is a day of firsts for uh, Redeemer Church. Um, I know many of you this morning are guests. Man, we're so glad that uh, you are here with us today. And you might not know that Redeemer Church is a brand new church start in Champaign-Urbana. We officially launched on August 29th of this year, and today we get to uh, celebrate our first baptisms. So there are three. Yeah, woo! There are three. There are three young men. Three young men who are being baptized. Uh, this morning, and I, I sense that many of you know that, and that's why you're here. Uh, but that's cool. That's great, and we're excited about that. And uh, also this morning, uh, another first is uh, the first sermon in a new series, um, that it's, which is entitled, Why Do We Blank? And today, we're going to talk about why do we practice the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and uh, and then also, we get to, for the first time in our church's history, celebrate both baptism and the Lord's Supper together in the same worship service. So another first, and then a final first, and this is a first for me personally. I have never preached in swimming trunks before, okay? So this is, uh, like, I'm just curious, is there anyone else here who's ever been in a church where somebody preached in swimming trunks? So it's a first for all of us. Great. Fantastic. Uh, I want to talk to you for a little while from the scriptures about why we practice the ordinance of baptism. Why do we do that? So if you've got a Bible, I'd invite you to turn to uh, Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at the first four verses of Romans chapter 6. And um, I think that's on page 942 of, is that correct? Anybody got one of the chair Bible? Yeah. Page 942, the chair Bible that's in or near your chair. So you can turn there. Why do we baptize? Let's look at the scriptures. Romans 6, beginning verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized in his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. One of the reasons that we practice the ordinance of baptism is because it's an ordinance. What that means, that word ordinance, it means that it's ordained by Christ that we do so. In other words, Jesus instructed us. Jesus commanded us to baptize. And Jesus himself, if you were here last week and heard uh, Chet's sermon, or if you listened online to Chet's sermon um, from, from Mark, that was last week, right? Okay, good. Makes, making sure I got that, didn't get my weeks mixed up. You know, there's all those Markian sandwiches, okay? You'll learn about that later. But... Um, Jesus also exemplified baptism himself. He himself was baptized, and he said he did that to fulfill all righteousness as an act of obedience. So Jesus ordained baptism. He commands it, and he gave us the example himself by being baptized as an act of obedience. And 
I think in Scripture, the place that this command to baptism is most explicitly stated is a passage of Scripture that if you have been in church very much, if you've read the New Testament very much, you're probably really, really familiar with it. It's the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. You know, Jesus has all authority uh, in, in heaven and earth has been given to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything. I have commanded you, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's really the most explicit command to baptize. Jesus says to the church, make disciples, baptize, and teach. You know, the, and you've probably heard that there's really one verb in there, and that's make disciples, and then there are these great uh, uh, Greek, um, very called participles, these Greek constructions called participles, and they're, they're, they're also action words. You know, participles are action words. And the, the participles in that whole uh, great commission are uh, going and baptizing and teaching. Okay, And so all of that is the command of Christ, that we make disciples, that we, we go. Or as we go, we make disciples, and we baptize those disciples, and we teach those disciples. That is the command of Christ for us, and so that's why baptism is an ordinance, and it's why we do it. Because Christ commanded it. And simply out of obedience to Christ, we do it. And actually, there's a time frame. There is a time frame on that command. Till the end of the age. Until Christ returns. That's how long we do it. That is the command for us to baptize and practice the ordinance that which Christ has ordained as long, and, and until Christ returns, as long as this age that we live in now lasts. That's the time frame for baptism. So one reason we baptize is to obey the command of Christ. But we also baptize because of something that's, that is stated very clearly in Romans 6. And I draw your attention to verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Another reason we baptize is it is an expression of our union with Christ. Paul in Romans tells us that this baptism, it's a symbol, it's an expression of being united with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You know, baptism expresses, symbolizes the gospel. Right? I mean, that's why we do it. It is a physical expression, an act of expressing our faith in Christ and our faith that his death on the cross was an, was an appropriate and adequate substitution for you and I. And that by dying on the cross, Jesus literally took our sins on himself and became, here it comes, a propitiation. My favorite word, okay? That Jesus actually absorbed God's wrath for sin himself, took that on himself, and then he, he died and was buried, but raised to life to show his power, 
his victory and show our victory over sin and death, but also to affirm that God has accepted his sacrifice. So when we, when we get baptized and when the church observes the ordinance of baptism, we're proclaiming that. We're proclaiming the gospel. We're proclaiming that, that, that I am and we are united with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Just as he died, I am now dead to sin. Not because of baptism, but because of my faith in Christ. Baptism is an expression of that faith. But because of faith in Christ, I'm now dead to sin just like Jesus died. And I'm buried with him. But... That's not, it doesn't end there. My sin's buried with him. But then, just as Jesus was raised to a new life, so am I. I can live differently now because of what Christ has done in my life. And every believer, every believer who takes part in baptism is, is, is expressing their faith that that has happened to them. Their faith in Christ and they're displaying to all who see, this happened in my life and I am united with Christ in this way. Now, I, I want to make sure you understand that this is an expression or a symbol of what's happened. Now, I know in Romans 6, Paul says, it sounds like he's saying that baptism actually accomplishes that. It sounds like it. He says, do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? It almost sounds like Paul's saying that baptism actually does unite us with Christ. And that's not what Paul's saying. And here's how we know that. Okay, number one, we know it. Just by reading the rest of the book of Romans. I mean, if we just read the rest of Romans, we know that Paul is teaching us that we are united with Christ through faith in him. That's how we are united with Christ. It's by our faith. Therefore, it's not by baptism that we're united, but baptism is a symbol of that, just like at a wedding ceremony. How many of you have ever been to a wedding ceremony? Raise your hand. Okay, great. Put your hand down. How many of you have ever been involved in a wedding ceremony? Okay, how many of you have ever been a bride? Oh, I can put my hand down. Okay, great. Super. Just, just checking. All right. There's this part in the wedding ceremony often where the bride and the groom, they have rings. And they slip the ring on, you know, the third finger of the left hand of their spouse. And they say, with this ring, I thee wed. Is that true? I mean... Are they wedded? Are they married because they slip a ring on somebody's finger? Does that make a marriage? No. In fact, if you were listening before the ring part, you probably, if it was a Christian wedding, you probably heard the pastor say something like, the ring symbolizes. The ring is a symbol of marriage in two or three ways or something. You probably heard something like that. No, that ring and the act of putting it on the finger is a symbol of of unending vows and unending love and those kinds of things. No, what makes a marriage is the covenant vows that, that, you know, that's what makes that man and woman married, the covenant vows that they take before God and all those witnesses. Just like it's by faith that we're united with Christ, but that act of baptism is a symbol, an expression of that, just like a wedding ring is an expression or symbol of vows and marriage in the wedding ceremony. It's, it's, it's really no different than that. But there's another reason that we, that we practice this ordinance of baptism. 
I mean, yes, Christ commanded it, so we do it, and that could be enough. That, you know, that could be enough. We could just say that. We say, hey, Jesus, who is Lord, commanded it, therefore we do it. Okay? But also, we understand the, the expressive and symbolic significance of being baptized, and that it really is an expression of what has happened in the life of a believer in turning from sin and putting their faith in Christ. It is a, it is a symbol of our union with Him. But also, it's a way that we unite with other believers. It's, it, it's, it's the way we become part of the church. We become part of God's people through baptism. It is, again, an expression and a symbol of us becoming part of God's covenant people. And therefore, we enter into the, the church universal, you know, all believers, uh, everywhere throughout history. Okay, we, we become part of that. But also, it's a way we unite with a local church, a local body of believers. And, you know, it would be very difficult for me to pull, just take one passage of scripture and talk about how baptism is this expression and the way that we unite with a local church. And here's why it'd be hard for me to just take one passage of scripture from the New Testament. Because the idea of being a Christian and being baptized and being part of God's covenant people and being part of a local church, those are pretty much inseparable in the New Testament. The idea of being a Christian but not being baptized just isn't part of the thinking of the New Testament. It's not part of the teaching of the New Testament. It never enters into uh, the equation in the New Testament church that someone would be a Christian and not be baptized. And it also doesn't enter into the equation in the New Testament for someone to be a Christian and be baptized but not be a member of a local body of believers, or not consider themselves part of the larger universal church. All of those things are simply inseparable in the, in the teaching of the New Testament. I really can't pull out one passage of Scripture, and I wouldn't even try to do so. But I would tell you, if you doubt this, read the New Testament. See if you can find an instance where a person was a follower of Christ, baptized, and not part of a local church. Find it. I, I don't think you will. I know you won't. It's just not... It is so outside of God's purpose and plan for, for His people and for the church that it just doesn't even come into the thinking of the New Testament writers. It doesn't even come into the pages of Scripture. That's how outside of God's design that idea is. So an, another reason we baptize is to unite with a local body of believers. So we baptize because Christ commanded it. It is an ordinance of the Lord. And we baptize because it is, it is an expression and a symbol of the gospel, and it's a symbol and expression of our union with Christ. And then also we baptize because it is the way we identify ourselves with other believers, God's covenant people, and, and even more specifically, a local church body. That's why we do it. So, we're just about to celebrate our first baptisms here at Redeemer Church, and I want to invite all of you, to participate in this, not by getting in the water, but by joining us poolside 
while we baptize these three young men. So, I, and, I, and hey, I know this is going to be kind of odd, but it's odd for us too. But this is what we got, and, and we're excited to do it. So, um, Joe, if you could head to the door and be prepared to open the door to the pool, we'll just all get up. Walk to the pool. I'm going to ask all of you to maybe be on the right side of the pool. There seems to be a little more room there, and just kind of gather at poolside, uh, and we'll we'll proceed. All right, let's go.